So as we go into this movie, I feel I should confess that I have never read the book. What? <laughs> oh my God. That's insane. I know. I, I bought it yesterday. All right, you're reading it. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we're going to talk about getting over the finish line. It ain't easy. And we know many of our listeners have a word of the year for 2020. I do, too. But in this episode, we're going to share our questions of the year. These are the questions that are going to guide each of us through 2020. And then we have a listener question about when to ask a boss or a co-worker to read a script. I have strong feelings about this. And this week's Hollywood hack will make for a happier road trip. But first, an update. Sarah, we have been getting so many requests to join our Facebook group. Yes. So to all of our new Facebook group members, hello and welcome. 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 It's a really, really great group. It brightens my day every single day. Everyone is supportive. They're fun. They have great ideas. People come into the group with questions, large and small. Yes. And I'm always kind of amazed at how just empathetic and wonderful everyone is. Yeah, so many practical um, solutions to problems. Like, I get ideas there all the time. I do too. And then lately, many people have been posting their 20 for 20 list. This is something that Gretchen and I do on Happier. Mm-hmm. We're doing, you know, 20 items we want to do in 2020. And so a lot of people have been posting those lists. And it's so fun, first of all, to see the list themselves. Themselves, but also a lot of people decorate them. And Gretchen has made a thing you can print out to write down your 20 items. So it's fun to see that. So anyway, we suggest um, that you join the Facebook group, which all you have to do is search Facebook for Happier in Hollywood and request membership and we'll let you in to, you know, Join the conversation. Yes. Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's bum, 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 getting <laughs> over the finish line. Oh, yes. It is that time. We have been working for months and months and months and months on these pilots, and we're sort of you know, it's getting close to decision time. We have no idea what's going to happen. No. And it's just like, it just feels like we're hauling our, so we can see the line yes. in the distance and we're hauling ourselves toward it, like with wobbly legs. Oh, yes. Well, one thing we should explain to everyone is we're at the point where, you know, the bulk of the work on the scripts is done, yeah. but we're in that phase where you sort of keep getting notes. Um, and oftentimes the notes improve the script a lot, but you're sort of like, oh my gosh, I'm going back to this script and redoing it again. It's sort of, you're like, should I just tweak something? Should we go deeper? And you're kind of just ready for the script to be done. Yeah. And a lot of it now is so targeted that it's not really creative. 
it's like it's like going in with a scalpel and doing this or that to yeah. accomplish one specific small thing. So it's it doesn't have that expansive sense of creativity. It's just like, okay, now this little thing we need to where are we gonna fit this? Yes. We need to get it in here. We need to get it in before page eight. We wanna, yeah. you know, like it's very I mean, people say it's surgical because yes. it's that's a very accurate thing. And for our plastics pilot, it's especially accurate. Yeah. And the other thing we have to do, Sarah, is try to cut. Uh, so notes always make scripts longer. Always. And you and I are very conscious about the length of our scripts. We don't like overly long scripts. So whenever we add something, we then have to comb through the whole script looking for cuts. So that that's kind of time consuming. Yes. And not fun. Not creative. No. no. Although you're a master at it. I always hand the computer over to you, and and, and that's kind of your one of your specialties is <laughs> cutting. It's like a math problem. But Sarah, you were saying like we've been working on them for so long, and we have, but at the same time, it's hard for me to believe that these sort of huge undertakings are now just almost over, potentially. Yes, we, that went from just like this vague concept yes. to this very solid, you know, 50-whatever-page document. Yes, it's like you can thunk it onto a table. It's a thing. It's real. And so it's just good to remember that when you do have like a huge project in front of you, that that day will come <laughs> when you're crossing the finish line. And it may feel good. You may just feel tired. I mean, one thing is you expect this euphoria, like we're done, but it always just peters out. Yeah. It, it's There's never <laughs> that moment, you know. Yep. It's like they say when you redo your house, like you're really done just when you get too worn out to call the contractor about another problem. Uh Um, That's kind of like what a script is. It's really just done when people get tired of giving you notes. Yeah. So there isn't that one moment of crossing the finish line. Well, and of course, if you're lucky, the finish line of the pilot script becomes a whole other marathon. Yes. Well, that's That's what we're hoping, of course. We're hoping that we will get a call that one or both of these pilots is getting made, which will then be, I would even call it a sprint. Yes. More than a marathon. (laughs) Then the sprint begins to get the thing made and hopefully get it on the air. So our um, whole career is like adrenaline rush, wilt. Adrenaline rush, Wilt. Adrenaline rush, wilt. It's It's exactly what it is. Over and over and over again. So what are we doing now that we're sort of crossing the finish line? Well, we're trying to take time off. But of course, as the notes kind of trickle in, as soon as you relax for a moment, it's like, okay, well, never mind that. Yes. It's like, okay, I I won't see you today. And then it's like, oh, okay, I'll be (laughs) over in 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. But we are trying to hike. Um, We're planning to see movies. I took a little trip to San Diego with Violet and my stepmom and my aunt, just like two days. Yes. So we are trying to take some time for ourselves. Sarah, when we've really crossed the finish line, we want to get back to serious work on our fiction podcast because it has languished as we have been drilling down on these scripts. And it is still in the creative, exciting phase. Yes. So our plan is to get back to that. You know, one of my, uh, speaking of 20 for 20 lists, Uh on my 20 for 20 is to finish at least one fiction podcast, you know, and and produce it. So, I love it. So you are a 
fundamental part of me accomplishing that goal. I am here for you, Liz. We will do this. What do you do when you're nearing a finish line at work? What helps you get through those last painful steps? Let us know. Send us an email or a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Next up, we will share our questions of the year. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, it's time for Take a Hike, where we talk about mental, physical, or spiritual health. This week, it is mental health. So you've been doing a word of the year for a long time. What was your first one? My first one, uh, I think, was Style. Style 2000, maybe. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this was my sister suggested to me so many years ago that we do a word every year. This was way before we had the podcast. Uh So I had Style. I had Hot Hot Wheels when I wanted to start driving in L.A. (laughs) I had Hot Bod. Um, That (laughs) didn't work out so well. Um, But I had uh, Home. Um, I think I had one that was some Something about entertaining, I can't remember now. But anyway, so I've had a lot of words over the year, mm-hmm. over the years, and I love doing this. And we talk about it all the time on Happier. This year, my word is lighter because Good I want to both be lighter physically and I want to move through the world in a lighter way because I feel like I have this amazing life. And yet sometimes I walk around like I have a black cloud over my head and I want to just be lighter. Yes. So that's my focus. And you, Sarah, last year, your word was what? Last year, my word was vibrant, Mm. which is a great word. I love uh, the word, but I didn't really kind of carry it around with me as much as I wanted to. So I don't know that I had a particularly vibrant year. Well, some years go better than others. (laughs) Exactly. Now, What's interesting is you decided this year, instead of picking a word for the year, you were going to pick a question. So that's our take a hike today is think of a question for the year. And I think this is fascinating. So what is your question? My question for the year is, does this nourish me? Mm. I thought about choosing the word nourish, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I really curiosity and exploration are things that really kind of help me focus. Right. So I thought if I put it in the context of a question, I would be more likely to kind of remember it and use it. So now when I start to think about doing something new, and what I like about it is it can be from big to small. It can Mm -hmm. literally be, does this piece of food that I'm looking at nourish me 
or does this book that I'm reading nourish me? Mm-hmm. Or it can be sort of larger decisions. Does this relationship in my life nourish me? Exactly. So I'm. Uh, we'll see. I'm kind of excited about it. Okay. Well, of course, once you picked a question of the year, I had to then get a question yes. for the year. So mine, so, so my word, as I said, is lighter. Um, so I wanted a question that sort of goes with that to uh-huh. reinforce it. So my question, well, truthfully, my first question was going to be, like, will this make me lose weight? Because I really <laughs> just want to lose weight. But I'm like, okay, that is just not a good question of no, the year. It's not no. transcendent. Definitely okay. not. <laughs> so I tossed that one to the side. And my question is, am I making this situation better? Because that goes, I was saying, like, I want to move through the world in a lighter way. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is if I'm in a situation, and again, it can be a bad situation or even an okay situation, but is my behavior, is what I'm contributing making it better, worse, or the same? Mm -hmm. And I want to make situations better as often as I possibly can as opposed to making them worse. Right. So, for instance, we're late for school. Rather than running around screaming at everybody, I want to have humor and lightness Uh because it's the beginning of the day. So that's just an example that happens to come up quite often. (laughs) Um, So anyway, that's my question. But I love that what you're saying is that it almost turns your word into an action item. Yes. You know, it Mm -hmm. makes it more active somehow because you're constantly having to decide rather than just having a word. Right. And sometimes the answer to your am I making the situation better question will be no. But you'll be more thoughtful about the choice you're making in that moment. And sometimes my answer to does this nourish me will be no, but I'm doing it anyway or having it anyway. Yes. And that's okay because it's all part of the, you know, progress, not perfection. Yes. We are not expecting anything near perfection in this, sadly. (laughs) But if we can just be better, then, you know. More thoughtful, more conscious. Yes. Um, Well, you'll have to tell me as the months go by, if I'm making situations better. Okay. Because we do enter some stressful situations. We do. And yes. as you know, I have, we've discussed on this podcast, I can be someone that spins and spirals and catastrophizes. So um, my, No, I don't know what you're you talking, what about. talking about. So my goal <laughs> is to not do that and to make situations better. Better. My goal is to nourish not just myself, but others. Oh. So I will try and nourish you. That's nice. In your making situations better. Nice. Well, Sarah, we have got to hear other people's questions. Yes. Now that we have brought this up, everybody come up with your question for 2020 and tell us what it is. We, I'm dying to hear people's questions Me too. And themselves. if it thematically connects to their word of the year, even better. I love that yours does. I think yes. that's super cool. Send us those at happierinhollywood at gmail.com, and um, we will share some questions of the year in upcoming episodes. Okay, Liz, it's time for our mailroom segment. And today we have an email from Marty. She wrote, I'm an aspiring writer who has written one solid pilot and I'm working on a second. I'm wondering if you could give me some advice about how, when, to ask people to read my work. I'm a comedy writer who is a showrunner's assistant on a drama. Should I ask my boss? How about the other writers and producers on the show? Who else should I be asking? Is there an unspoken etiquette that we aspiring writers should be aware of? 
Oh, such a good question. Yes. And um, we've talked about this, you know, before, the sort of question of how to get people to read your work, which is one of the hardest things to do in Hollywood, because even though it's many people's jobs, including ours, to read scripts, the secret truth is nobody wants to read scripts. Because usually they're not very good. Even if they're good. Oh, now I have to talk to this person about why the script isn't very good. You're right, but you don't know going into it whether it's good or not. That's true. You have no clue. (laughs) And there's so much at stake for the person that it feels very weighty. Well, and it's a lot of work. It is. Like, if you're taking it seriously, if you're taking the commitment seriously, it's a lot of work to read a script and give someone notes on the script. Yes. Very seldom do you just read it and go, oh, hey, I'm going to give this as is to my agent. First of all, she mentions that she's a comedy writer who's working as a showrunner's assistant on a drama. So, Mm -hmm. really, her goal should be to get on a comedy. Right. But— This drama writer could help you do that. Absolutely. Drama writers, no comedy writers. And I actually think it's kind of good that her boss is a drama writer because the boss won't feel like if I read this, I have to hire you. It's really just I can read it, tell you what I think, pass it along. Yes. You know, it's uh, actually in some ways better. Yes. So I think what she should, first of all, yes, you should ask them to read it, assuming you have a decent relationship and just say, hey, I know, you know, your drama, this is comedy, but I would love to have you read it and and just get your thoughts and know if there's anyone you would maybe pass it on to, basically. Yes, but I would say don't start with the boss. Oh, good Like, good I assume point. you know other people on the staff as yes. well. I would start yes. with— A co-EP. Yes. Or a producer. Or a producer, someone you yes. have developed a relationship with, and get, like, a good round of notes from them, if yes. possible, Yes. before you give it to your boss. Yes. So that is absolutely true. You want to get it in the best possible shape. And then the other thing you want to do, and I'm not sure, you know, this, again, might be after you get the rounds of notes from the other writers on staff, is to get it to executives. Yes. Because something people, for some reason, seem to forget is that executives are people who can get you hired on Hell shows. Hell yes. Um we got our first jobs because of executives. Nicole Norwood, thank yes, you. Thank you, Nicole. That's so important. And executives, I think more than other writers, are more willing to read. Yes. That's what I find. I just find they're more open to reading, maybe because writers are so sick of writing that they don't feel like reading. <laughs> totally. So anything you can do, like to make inroads with executives, is important. Yeah. And, of course, one thing you can do is, and Mary, our former assistant, could speak to this, is network with other assistants like executive assistants who are also probably trying to become executives. So if those assistants read your script and say, hey, this woman can really write, it makes them look good to walk in and hand it to their boss and say, hey, here's a comedy writer you might want to be aware of. So it all feeds itself. Yes. And I cannot emphasize this enough. Do not burn a bridge with a script that is not ready. Right. Because if someone reads a bad script from you, like, they will just likely dismiss you for life. Yeah. No, someone gave me a script one time. It was sort of a friend of a friend thing. And I said, sure, I'll read it. We were showrunners at this point. And she sent me a first draft of a script. It wasn't even really a full script. 
And I just thought, I I don't even know where to begin with yes. this. Like, it literally would have been hours and hours and right. hours of thinking about what to even say about it yeah. at that stage. Yeah. Like, when you have a script that's just starting out, work it through with your writer's group. Yes. Work it through with peers and then move it up the ladder. Because, like, once the bridge is burned, once people have that first impression, it's not going to come back. Yes. That's a really good point. And another thing I just want to say, because she says, is there unspoken etiquette? Which there isn't really an unspoken etiquette. I think it's more just you need to have a decent relationship with anybody you're asking to read. Um, But one thing to just be aware of is that you may give someone a script and they may say, yes, I'll read it. And then they will never read it. And this happens or it will take them a year to read it. One thing that's helpful in that regard is to ask if you can set a time to talk to them. So you give a co-EP a script and then say, hey, could I talk to you about this like next Thursday during lunch or, you know, in a break or right after work or whatever? And then that gives them a deadline. Because yes, writers, Mary did this with yes, us when yes. she was our assistant. She and would it, be like, and we'll talk about it on Friday at 3. <laughs> yeah, it's the only way to really get us to read something. Um, And a lot of writers respond to deadlines. So if you give them a deadline, a gentle deadline, they will then read it. And just know that it's not personal. It's just people don't read things. Well, and also ask people when you give them the script if you could nudge them about it or not. Some people don't want to be reminded constantly, but we always say, give us a nudge on Monday. Nag us every week or so. We mean it. Like, it will not upset us. When we say nudge us, we really mean nudge us. So find out from the person you're giving the script to if they're someone who will need that little prompting. Yes. So good luck. You got this. You got this. You can do it. Get that script read. Next up, a travel Hollywood hack, but first this break. Okay, Sarah, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. And this week, it's come up with a travel playlist. And you did this on a trip you took over the holidays. Yes. I went on a short road trip from L.A. to San Diego with Violet and my stepmom and my aunt. And so we ranged in age from seven and a half to 80. Okay. And... I just knew that my stepmom and my aunt weren't going to want to listen to Violet's playlist for the entire trip. So I thought, okay, let's have everyone come up with their 10 favorite songs. And everyone wrote down a list of their 10 favorite songs. And then I did a playlist that, you know, started with Violet just because, you know, I'm not a dummy. Um, So it started with Taylor Swift. And then I just rotated through every person. So everything. Fourth song, you knew you were going to have one of your favorite songs. Ah. And then we also talked about why we loved a song and the time period. So Violet heard about disco because my stepmom picked a Bee Gees Mm -hmm. song. And she, like, Gordon Lightfoot is my aunt's, like, favorite, favorite. So we heard all about, you know, Gordon Lightfoot and his environmentalism. And interestingly, three people chose the Beatles, including Violet. I was the only one who didn't. Wow. Well, that's cool. I like that the Beatles... 
you know, or <laughs> penetrating the next generation. Exactly. We had the Beatles and Frank Sinatra and Elvis and the Bee Gees and, of course, Taylor Swift, a lot of Taylor Swift. But it was just really fun. And what's great about it is now whenever you listen to that playlist, you're going to think about that trip. It'll completely bring back those memories. Absolutely. And every trip you take, depending on the people that you're with, will have a different kind of tenor. Yeah, it is such a fantastic idea. It was really fun. I love it. It's a musical keepsake. And by the way, um, with the amount of commuting we do in L.A., this could happen, you know, for driving to school. (laughs) Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) That's true. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions and comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13, and as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing with Whole 30's Melissa Urban. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft, and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Kraft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. So Liz, if you were going on a road trip with Adam and Jack, what would your what would your playlist look like? Well, mine would definitely have Beatles on it, Blackbird, <laughs> oh, yes. some Bruce Springsteen. Jack would definitely have Old Town Road. Um, he <laughs> loves that. And Adam would probably be heavy into the Tom Petty. Oh, nice. And some U2 and Coldplay. <laughs> From the Onward Project.